Welcome, and thank you for joining us on the City Point Church Sermon Podcast, where our desire is to help you follow Jesus. We are so glad that you are here, and wherever you are listening from, we believe that God has something in store for you through today's message. Galatians chapter 4, I've entitled this message, The Wait is Over. The Wait is Over. Galatians 4, I want you to see just two verses, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, there it is, the wait is over. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The big idea over top of these two verses is this. The arrival of Christmas means the wait is over. The arrival of Christmas means that the wait is over. And I don't know about you, but I am not very good at waiting. Boy, I get impatient just watching the automatic trunk door on the back of my SUV close. I mean, just can it go any faster? Let's get this thing closed and buttoned up so that we can get in and go where we need to go. But I got to tell you, if you're anything like me and you struggle with waiting, the Christmas season is especially difficult because of all of the waiting that's involved. And there's something unique about this Christmas season. There's all of this anticipation that's just built into it. Amy mentioned a moment ago, it starts really in October. You haven't even gone trick-or-treating yet, and already you walk into Costco and you see that the Christmas trees are set up. Then you get into the month of November and you start to hear the music in the stores and you start to see the Black Friday deals and you start thinking like we haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet and everybody's already thinking about Christmas. Well, then after Thanksgiving, it's full throttle. I mean, it is, the Christmas season is on and it is here. And all through the month of December, the lights that are hung on the homes and the shopping and the parties and the family nights and all of the festivities as the anticipation continues to grow as we look forward to Christmas Day all the while we're waiting. We even have these advent calendars where you can open one door at a time. And with each door that you open as you get closer and closer and closer to December 25th, that anticipation intensifies and it just grows more and more and more. Well, finally, the children get out of school. And then Christmas break has come, and the children are at home, and the grandchildren are at home, and, and now we're just a, a few days away, and the kids start sleeping under the Christmas tree, and you're running to the store to get those last couple of stocking stuffers, and you're planning that Christmas meal. And then for us, I know that Christmas is just about here when the cinnamon rolls arrive. A tradition for us is that on Christmas Eve, we always have cinnamon rolls. So all the while, we are waiting, the anticipation is growing, but here we are. It's Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve means that we have been waiting in anticipation, but the time is almost here, and the waiting is almost over. And as we look at Galatians 4 this morning, I want you to notice that phrase right at the beginning of verse 4, 
but when the fullness of time had come. Do you know what that means? That statement, what that means? That means for a, a season and a period of time, as a matter of fact, for many hundreds of years, the people of God had been waiting in anticipation for the Messiah to come. But now all of the events on God's divine timetable had come together, which means that the waiting was about to be over. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of the king. So the arrival of Christmas means that the wait is over. So why is the wait finally over? This text, these two simple and short verses are going to give us three reasons why the wait is finally over. Number one, the wait is over because a child has been born. A child has been born. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Now don't miss the details here. Details are really important. One lady learned this the hard way. She was in a, a rush and in a hurry to get some Christmas cards to 24 of her family and friends. So she goes to the store and she buys a, a pack of 25 Christmas cards, run homes, writes a Merry Christmas, stuffs them in an envelope, puts a stamp on it, drops them in the mail just in time for those cards to arrive by Christmas Day. Well, Christmas Day finally came and that lady was able to sit down and catch her breath and that final card was sitting on her dining room table and she opened it up and looked at it really for the first time and read much to her dismay this card is just to say a little gift is on the way yeah. <laughs> let me just say that details are important so don't miss the details of Galatians 4, 4, when it says the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, but here are the two details, born of woman, born under the law. So the first detail is that God's son was born of woman. Now you're sitting there thinking, John, I don't think there are many other alternative options here. Born of woman, that's the only way that they come. But the emphasis here is on the humanity of God. That God was born, yes, in the very same way everybody else in this room was born. Born of woman. St. Augustine said this, I'll put this quote up on the screen. Man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast. That the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey. That truth might be accused of false witness. The teacher be beaten with whips. The foundation be suspended on wood. That strength might grow weak. That the healer might be wounded. That life might die. So yes, God, his son, was born of woman. God took on our flesh to identify with us so that he could take our sins and pay for them on an old rugged cross. The first detail is that God's son was born of woman, but the second detail here is that God's son was born under the law. That means he was a Jewish boy, born into a Jewish family, which meant that he was, he was placed underneath the, the law, the Torah of the Jewish people, the very covenant people of God were given that covenant. And that's an important detail because Israel for many, many, many years would fall short of that covenant agreement with God, but Jesus would step in and where Israel was was uh, where Israel failed that covenant, Jesus would be faithful to that covenant. Yeah. 
So Jesus would be the true and better Israel, born of woman and born under the law. So don't miss the details. But also don't miss the enormity of what's said in this statement, that God sent his son into the world, that God gave God. One of my favorite Christmas verses is John 1.14, where it said the word, capital W, speaking of Christ, the incarnate word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt means to pitch a tent. In other words, to set up a tabernacle among his people, which means that God sent Jesus to be near to us and to dwell among us. God is not distant. God is not distracted. God is not distant from your pain. God is not indifferent to your story. God has come to be with you. God sent his son. And so the wait is over because a child has been born. God has come to be with man. Emmanuel, God with us. But secondly, the wait is over also because a purchase has been made. A purchase has been made. But when the fullness of time had come, verse 4, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Why? Well, verse 5. To redeem or to purchase those who were under the law. Now, what's going on in this verse? All of humanity, we have been born under the law. And what the law reveals to us is that we have all fallen short. Now that we have a rule book, we realize we've been breaking the rules. And so the fact that we are under the law means that we are guilty and we are condemned by that law. That law reveals where we have been falling short and have been missing the mark. So in Galatians 3, 23, the writer says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. And so let me summarize what's going on here. Before someone puts faith in Jesus, they are under the law and subject to that law, imprisoned to that law. But after that person puts faith in Christ, they have been released from that law. But in order to go from imprisonment to the law to released from the law, a purchase had to be made. A price had to be paid. We had to be redeemed. And so Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us, purchased us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So right here in Galatians 4, we see, East, we see Christmas right next to Easter. Christmas, for God sent forth his son into the world, born, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those, there's Easter, who were under the law. And so it's not cliche to say that Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to die for our sin. So what is the dot connect? What's the connection between Christmas and Easter? Why are these two placed right next to each other? Well, I want you to see Romans 8. Verses 3 and 4, I'll put it on the screen here for you. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. There's the born of woman. In the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. See, here we were, unable to keep the rule book, 
Here we were falling short over and over and over again, breaking God's law time and time and time again. So Jesus came and perfectly lived up to that law so that by faith in Jesus, now the law could be fulfilled in us. So here's the connection between Christmas and Easter. Here's the dot connect. Jesus never could have died for our sins if he did not first come in our flesh. We would never have what we celebrate on Easter if we don't have what we celebrate on Christmas. And so God made a costly purchase. God paid the price of his son for the purchase of our salvation. Let me say that again. God paid the price of his son for the purchase of our salvation. I heard about a Russian billionaire who made a purchase for his daughter. Dmitry, I'm not going to be able to say his last name, so we're just going to go with Dmitry, this Russian billionaire. He bought his 22-year-old daughter a Christmas present for $88 million. This was back in 2011, mind you. He bought for her a penthouse overlooking New York's Central Park. So you can imagine with inflation what that penthouse is worth today. But at the time, $88 million, six, over 6,700 square feet of space, which comes out to $13,000 per square foot. The New York Post called it the best Christmas present ever. Yeah, I'd be saying that too if somebody gifted that to me. Now, I don't know that, I don't know that any of us have a Christmas present under our Christmas tree in our living room worth $88 million. That is a pretty expensive purchase, but I can tell you this morning that I know of a purchase that was even more expensive than that. When God paid the price of his son for the purchase of our salvation. And for God, it was worth the price. It was worth the price for the excellency of his glory. And it was worth the price for the redemption of humanity. And so you might be sitting in this room this morning wondering and doubting in your own heart whether or not God could love you enough to save you. Whether enough you would be worth it to God. You might be sitting here thinking, John, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the life that I've lived. You don't know the decisions that I've made. You don't know how at times I've even turned my back on God. And John, you're telling me that God would pay the price of his son for the purchase of my salvation? Yes. Yes. You were worth that price. When God looked down from heaven and saw you and saw me dead in our trespasses and our sins, unable to live up to the requirement of the law, he sent his son to make that great purchase for us. And so the wait is over because a purchase has been made, which means there is no longer a payment that you and I need to make. The wait is over because a child has been born. The wait is over because a purchase has been made. But thirdly, and finally this morning, the wait is over because a gift has been given. A gift has been given. I want you to see it in our text once again, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those, to purchase those who were under the law. And here's why. So that we might receive adoption as sons. So that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. So that we might be welcomed into the family of God. Understand this morning that you cannot pay for a gift. 
It says so that you might receive adoption as sons. In other words, it doesn't say that so that you might buy or so that you might earn adoption or so that you might deserve or somehow merit adoption as sons, but rather so that you might receive because you can't pay for a gift. Imagine tomorrow night you go to Christmas dinner at maybe a relative's house, a family member's house, and you've purchased a gift for a sister or maybe a brother-in-law, and you bring that gift and you present it to them and you give it to them tomorrow night at Christmas dinner, and then they take out their phone and start to Venmo you some money. You'd be like, hang on, hang on. That, that's, that's not how this works. As soon as you try to pay me for what I'm about to give to you, it ceases to be a gift. And so when the writer here chooses that word that you might receive because it's gift language, there's nothing that you can pay. You can't pay God back for this adoption as sons. So why do we try to keep doing that with God? Why do we keep coming to God saying, God, I want to pay you back? God, I feel like I'm indebted to you. God, I feel like I owe you something, and so I want to pay you back. I want to, I want to do some religion for you. I want to do some good deeds for you. I want, to try to, I want to try to live a life so that my good outweighs my bad to somehow earn this favor and this standing with you. Why do we do that with God? When he has extended a gift simply so that we might receive it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, By grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one might boast. So stop trying to Venmo God. Stop trying to send him something as payment for the gift of salvation. You can't pay for a gift. But what, what is the gift? What is the gift that he is extending that he wants us to receive? Well, it says it right there in our text, so that we might receive adoption as sons. It's generic there. So ladies, you're included in that as well. Adoption as sons and daughters, as children, so that we might be brought into the family of God. The gift is a permanent, irrevocable relationship with God. In antiquity, as it is today, adoption afforded a child all of the privilege and inheritance of the biological children, and it could never be revoked. It could never be taken away. So if you have put faith in Christ today, if you are a Christian, a child of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, understand that what that means is that all of the privilege and all of the inheritance of Jesus is now yours. You have been adopted. You have been brought into the family. And what I love about this gift is it's the gift that just seems to keep on giving. If we were to read after verse 5, we didn't read it a moment ago, but in our paragraph here in verse 6, it continues, And because you are sons, because you have been adopted into the family, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So now there is a relationship. It's not just that we enter into a relationship. It's not just a gift of you can come on in. It's also a gift of you can, you can live here and you can abide here and I will be your Father. I will be your Abba. And then he continues, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And so C.S. Lewis said it very succinctly. The son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. That's the gift. 
The gift that has been given that you cannot pay for, that you can only receive, is that you would be adopted into God's family, that you might be a child of the king. My wife has taken gift wrapping to an entirely new level, folks. If you are one of the people who puts a gift in a bag, that just doesn't fly in our house. That's just not how my wife does it. So last Saturday, she enlisted me to help her in this gift wrapping process, which, by the way, took about two hours. We sat down in the living room. We sent the kids upstairs. They all watched a Christmas movie, and I helped her wrap these gifts. She was very quick to tell me that I was doing it all wrong. But she was also very kind and gracious to show me how to do it properly. So when my, when my wife wraps gifts, she doesn't just put the wrapping paper on it and stuff it under the tree. It's wrapping paper, properly folded, which that's what I learned. There's an improper way to wrap. So she's corrected that. There's a proper way to wrap it. So wrapping paper, properly wrapped around the box. Then she takes additional strips of different types of wrapping paper that coordinate with that wrapping paper and she puts that around the box in decorative ways. Then she takes ribbon and wraps the ribbon. Then she takes these twigs with holly leaves and berries and sticks it on the present. So by the time you get all of the gifts under the tree, if you were to go to my living room right now, all these gifts are under the tree in different colors, all coordinated. You almost don't want to open the gifts. (laughs) They have been so beautifully wrapped that you just kind of want to leave it. I don't think my kids are up for that. Let me just say that Christmas has a lot of beautiful wrapping and beautiful decorations. But don't forget to unwrap the gift. We enjoy the wrapping, and we should. We enjoy the lights. We enjoy the carols. We enjoy the Christmas Eve service. We enjoy our favorite holiday drink at our coffee shop that we frequent. We, we enjoy the festivities. We enjoy the family. We enjoy the time off school and away from work. But folks, that's all just wrapping paper. That's all just twigs with holly and berries. The true gift is what's on the inside. And the true gift is that you might receive the adoption as sons and daughters that you might be welcomed into the family of God, into an irrevocable relationship with the King of Kings and with the Lord of Lords. And that relationship is yours, not because you have done something or earned something or proved something. That relationship can be yours by simple faith in Christ. And so that big idea is the arrival of Christmas means that the waiting is over. The arrival of Christmas means it's time. And so as we consider this moment right now, I want you to understand this morning, the wait is over. The wait is over for Christmas. It's tomorrow. Kids, one more sleep. One more sleep, and it's here. The wait is over for Christmas, but also the wait is over for the Christ child. Because the fullness of time has come. And God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. But I also want you to understand this morning, not only is the wait over for Christmas, and not only is the wait over for Jesus, but the wait is also over for you to have a personal relationship with God. If you are here this morning and you have never put faith in Jesus, and in Jesus alone, my friend, the wait is over. What else are you waiting for? Is there something that you feel that you need to do? Is there something that you feel that you need to prove to God? Stop. 
You don't need to Venmo him. You don't need to do anything. He has done it all. He was born to die so that we might become sons and daughters of his, adopted into his family. And so I have two questions for all of us this morning. My first question is this. Have you received the gift? Have you received the gift? Have you become a son or a daughter? Have you been adopted into the family of God? Again, I'm not asking. I'm not asking, do you frequent a church? I'm not asking, did your grandmother bring you to church every Christmas Eve? I'm not asking, are you spiritual and are you sort of connected to a higher power? I'm asking, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith and by faith alone? And if you have not done that, friend, the wait is over. Today is the day. Now is the time. Trust him by faith. There is nothing more for you to do. There is nothing more for you to prove. And if you will right now, even in your seat, by simple faith, trust Jesus alone. That gift will be yours. It has been extended, and it's by faith that you receive it. And if even now you are trusting Jesus, let me encourage you with with one additional step. If today you are trusting Jesus for the first time, maybe you've never heard it explained like this, but today you're ready to trust him. Let me encourage you, tell someone. When the service is over, maybe it's a friend who brought you. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe you just walked in. Come find me. Come tell me. Stop by the next step table in the lobby. Tell one of our, one of our staff, one of our leaders there. We would love to pray with you and rejoice in that decision to trust in Jesus that you have made today. Have you received the gift? And if not, receive it even now. But my second question, for those of us who've received the gift, my question is this, are you treasuring the gift? Are you treasuring the gift? Don't treasure the wrapping paper more than the gift. Don't treasure the songs that we sing and the the moments that we will enjoy throughout the rest of the day today and into the day tomorrow. Don't enjoy the wrapping paper more than you enjoy the gift. If you're a follower of Christ, you have been made a child of the King. And with that adoption, you have the Spirit of Christ in you by which you can now say, Abba, Father. And you have been brought into a relationship with God. Listen this morning, God is not mad at you. God is not distant from you. God is not disappointed in you. He has saved you. He has forgiven you. He has redeemed you. And he has brought you near to himself. Treasure the gift. Treasure him today. Treasure him tomorrow. And treasure him each and every day of your life. The arrival of Christmas means the wait is over. The time has come. And Christ has been born. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you for these two simple verses tucked away in Galatians chapter 4 that remind us of this Christmas season, this Christmas story, this Christmas truth. Father, I want to pray this morning that if there is somebody here who has been waiting, they have been waiting maybe to perform some more good deeds or to get a little more religion or maybe if I'll just I just need to go to church a little bit more before I'm ready to become a Christian I pray that they would understand this morning that the wait is over today is the day of salvation and I pray that by faith in you that they would trust you I want to pray for the one maybe even just a moment ago who did trust you 
for the first time understanding what it means to put faith in Christ, I pray that they would tell someone and that we would be able to rejoice in that decision with them and that they would grow and get connected into a church where they can understand more and more about what it means to have a relationship with you. And then I want to pray for each and every one of us who have already made that decision to trust you, that we would now treasure the gift, that we would come to the manger and bow and worship. And then just like those shepherds, that we would return to the fields and tell what we have seen, that we would treasure the gift of a relationship with God that we have received, that we now enjoy. And may we live each and every day in the reality of the new relationship that you have given to us. And God, we'll thank you for what you have done, and we will thank you for what you continue to do. And we pray this in Christ's name. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about City Point Church, visit us online at citypointaz.com. You can also find us on social media at citypointaz. Be sure to leave a review, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. Now from us here at City Point Church, go seeking to live on mission for the glory of God with this truth stamped over your life that you are loved.